January 17th, 1994. Probably not many of you have that marked on your calendar or even know what day it was. What day was January 17th, 1994? You got seven choices. What do you think it was? Anyone? Okay, it was Monday. It was 4.30. I was in the shower. I had shampoo my hair. And the next thing I know, my body is being slammed against the wall. I didn't know what was going on. January 17th, 1994 became known as the North Ridge Earthquake. It was the most powerful earthquake in this nature. It came straight up, and as it came straight up, it had this ripple effect, even though we lived 40, 50 miles away from the epicenter. And it had such a tremendous upheaval that there were apartment buildings, one in particular, that lifted up, all the floors lifted up, and when it came down, it crushed everyone that was on the first floor. My brother-in-law worked with a man that lived there. And every time I hear this, this song, um, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus, what blood and righteousness... And then it goes on, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is shifting sand. All other ground is shifting sand. If you've ever been in an earthquake, that song doesn't mean as much as it would to you if you had that Jesus Christ is your rock. And no matter what is going on in your life, He is that firm foundation that you hold on to, that you just cling to. And I tell you what, it's true. If you put your faith in anything other than Jesus, you will eventually get disappointed, right? Am Am I right? I mean, it's so crazy. Who or what you put your faith in it's so important. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you put your faith in thin ice, what's going to happen? You're going to go right through. If you have just a little bit of faith, but that faith is placed in thick ice, what's going to happen? You're going to walk across that ice. You may be nervous, but your faith has to be in something. It's not faith to have faith. That, that's silly. You place your faith in something. You're living your life based on something. And I will tell you, you will be disappointed if you have placed your faith in anything other than the rock, Jesus Christ. And what you put your faith in is very, very important. Now, our text today contains a narrative Within a narrative, that means a story within a story. You've heard it before, you've read it before, because it's in three of the Gospels. And it's almost like every other story in the Bible, it has to do with, guess, faith. It's going to deal with faith. And uh, every one of us uh, have a story that's like that if we are trusting Jesus So let me ask you some questions. I don't want you to answer out loud, but do you trust him when life is hard? 
Do you trust him even when it seems like everything is against you? Yeah, you do. Yesterday I talked to a buddy of mine that's from Paradise, California. I got to actually talk to him, find out how he was doing. And I said, how did you escape the town? A burning inferno. The whole town's on fire. And he said he was going down one street and it was blocked. And this was at 10 o'clock in the morning. And he turned around and a, a fire chief battalion caught him and said, where are you going? He said, well, I can't go this way. And he said, well, if you go through Oak Street and then you turn on Wagstaff and then once to Wagstaff, you can get to Clark. So we kind of maneuvered through the town and he got to a place. It was Save Mart. And he thought, okay, it's going to be safe here. Everything is on fire. So then he moved a little further down and he was at a church, a big parking lot. And for five hours, at 4.30, everything is on fire around him. Chief comes, the battalion chief comes and says, we're out of water. We have no way of protecting you. There's a small break right now in the smoke. You can get down, Clark, if you go right now. And he hopped in his car and went. He, he took off. Do you trust Jesus when everything seems stacked against you? Or do you trust him when you are lonely and afraid? Do you trust him when your relationships are crumbling? Do you trust him when your body is broken and hurting? Do you trust him when you lose your job, a child, a marriage, or just you've lost your way? How many people do you know that have lost their way? I mean, they just are, they are just disconnected from reality and they just are going through the motions. It's not even like they're living. They've just kind of lost their way. Jesus is worthy of our trust. I hope you have your Bibles with you. I need you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 is where we're going to be. And like I said, there are parallel passages in Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8, and we'll fill a little of that in as we go along. But there are two stories, but only one theme. And so here's the very first fill in the blank. I'm giving you the fill in the blank before we even read the text. Because I want you to be more concentrated on the text than the fill in the blank. Two stories, but only one theme, faith in Jesus. Let's pick it up at verse 18. While he was saying these things, that's Jesus, to them, behold, a ruler uh, came in and knelt before him saying, my daughter has just died. Now I have to stop here just for a quick moment. In the Greek, it can say also, she is to the point of death. Because in the other parallel passages, that's what they say. She's to the point of death. Back then, they didn't have stethoscopes. They weren't medically advanced as we are. And so when a person was in a coma and didn't look like they were breathing, they thought they were dead. They had a phrase for it, she's to the point of death. And so he comes in knowing that she's to the point of death and uses this phrase. They've translated that she has died. But let's go on. But come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. Verse 20, And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Now, it doesn't appear obvious from our text, but you could not have two more polar opposite of types of people. 
On this side, you have a ruler. You have Jairus. He is the synagogue leader. He is upper echelon in regards to the political scene, social scene. He gets respect. He runs the local synagogue, the same synagogue that Jesus has preached in. So this guy knows Jesus. Not, oh, I know of him. He knows Jesus. This woman, we don't even know her name. So you got a man and you got an unnamed woman over here. And he's high standing and so the crowd parts for him. The lady, I don't know if you've ever had anemia. You've lost blood. You're weak. You have no strength. You're tired. You're worn out. And she has to fight her way through the crowd to get to Jesus. And then... She had only heard about Jesus from another text. It says she had heard about Jesus. Jairus knows him. This unknown woman has only heard about Jesus. Why? Because he gets to run around in circles, the right circles, because she has been bleeding menstrually for 12 years. Can you imagine 12 years? She is considered unclean, and therefore she can't go to church. She can't be in any kind of relationship with anybody. You don't touch her because if you touch an unclean woman, you are unclean. It was ceremonial law, but that's the way it was. And so she's been an outcast and he's been on the inner circle. And this little daughter, it doesn't tell us from the text, but she's lived 12 years only. And the word means it's her only child. He doesn't have other children. That means for 12 years he kept trying to have children. This is his only child. She's a daughter. It's 12 years old. And this woman, exact same. She's been suffering for 12 years. 12 years. He asked directly, she's going to sneak up to Jesus, right? She's going to fight because she's thinking to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. He asks boldly, he falls on his knees, she sneaks in behind. Approaches from the front, approaches from the back. And everybody knew about his daughter dying. This was a private matter for her. You don't go around telling people that you've been bleeding for 12 years. You don't do that. And he went on some... on behalf of his daughter, she went on behalf of herself. She was bankrupt. Another text says she spent all of her money with the doctors trying to get well, and this guy's wealthy. Now, I don't know if you understand, you can see those polar opposites, but here's the one thing they had in common. They did have one thing in common. They both had a need that only God could meet, and they both had faith in Jesus, that somehow, some way, this Jesus had the power to raise or to give life or to heal and to cleanse. Now, these two extremes, we fall somewhere in between. Some of us don't have that much money like her. Some of us over here have more money. Some of us have better jobs. Some of us have no jobs. Some of us, our bodies are broken. Some of us, our bodies aren't broken. Everybody's represented between these two people. Do you see that? There's a wide range. But the one need that they had was they needed Jesus. They needed Jesus. Now, one thing that I need to point out 
and it's not glaringly obvious from the text, Jairus had some faith, and here's why. The crowd still loved Jesus, but the religious leaders are beginning to not like Jesus anymore. The rabbis, the priests, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, they're all questioning who this Jesus is. And they're starting to circulate a rumor that Jesus heals because he's in league with Satan. Now here's Jairus. He's a part of that peer group. He has to make a decision. I know who this Jesus is. Do I go and talk to him or do I let my culture tell me not to to do what I know I need to do? And you see that he's able to overcome what the stigma of is following Jesus. And so he, he goes and he took some guts and took some courage. And he goes against what I would call the politically correct leaders of Israel. Even today, if you stand for things of Christ, the politically correct culture will label you a homophobe, won't they? If you say, well, homosexuality is wrong. Oh, you're a homophobe. No, I love homosexuals. I've had transvestites in my life. I used to work with a transvestite before he went to a she. I didn't discard them. I tried to love them so that they would be set free. And so, well, I'm not a xenophobe. I'm not a racist. I'm not narrow-minded. I'm not intolerant. I'm not a hypocrite. But the politically incorrect crowd will say that I am because I follow Christ. And there's going to be a time in your life where you have to make up and man up, or if I should say woman up, that you're going to say, I stand for my convictions. I believe what Jesus said. I believe what Jesus said. And therefore, I'm going to take a stand. Don't be surprised when the politically correct culture that we live in throws you under the bus. People turn their backs towards Jesus. Jairus didn't. He had faith in Jesus. And the woman, she had some pretty good courage too to act on her faith. But this woman's feelings had something to do with it too as an outcast. Feelings of rejection, feelings of shame, feelings of guilt. Remember, in that time of of our world, if you got sick, that means that God didn't like you and you had some sin and you were being punished. I mean, that's still a popular philosophy today that if something goes wrong, somehow God's mad at you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It is a lie. And so this woman took some courage Feelings of failures. You know, the feelings of failures that were on her is the same head job that works on us. It really is. We don't feel worthy, so we approach Jesus from behind. We don't want to make eye contact with Jesus because somehow we feel deep, 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 deep down inside that God is disappointed with us. Wow. That's, that's not true. We know deep down we don't measure up and we don't have the value that maybe this guy did because I'm over here and he has it all together and God likes him more because he's doing well and I'm not doing well. Do you remember the, the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son takes the family inheritance, goes off, squanders it on wild living, And then when he's dead broke, there's a famine in the land, he's starving to death, he humbles himself, he goes back home, and he says, Dad, I am not worthy to be called your child anymore, I just want to be a slave, just feed me. 
He would not look his father in the eye. But what did the father do? He lifted his chin up so that he could look in his father's eyes. And he said, I am so happy. You were dead, but now you're alive. You've come back to me. This woman has those same feelings. Half of the world, I think, is afraid of God when they don't need to be. Because God came to rescue them. Remember what Romans says, chapter 5? There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. That means you're not condemned. But look how Jesus handled it. Let's go back to the text. Verse 2. Verse 2. Jesus turned... And it tells you a lot about his heart. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Do you know this is the only time in all of Scripture Jesus told a woman or addressed a woman by the words daughter? No other time in, 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 in the New Testament is it recorded other than this same story in the other parallel passages. He says daughter, very tenderly, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Now here's the fill in the blank. It's a deadly delay that brought glory. It's a deadly delay that brings glory. Because Jesus, he stops. Now, I'm sure Jairus is going, come on Jesus, hurry, hurry. Get to my daughter, get to my daughter. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I don't know if you've ever been in a hurry at Walmart. And you've been frustrated because you can't get out of that store very quickly. And you're like, hurry, come on, just hurry. Move the cart. Magnify that a thousandfold because this man's daughter is dying and he wants Jesus there now. And Jesus suddenly says, hey, uh, somebody touched me. And Peter in another passage says, Jesus, are you kidding? There are a thousand people trying to touch you right now and you're worried about a person touching you. And Jesus says, I felt power leave my body. Somebody touched me. And he looks around, and finally the woman, trembling maybe, falls down at his feet and says, I did it. I did it. And then Jesus doesn't rebuke her. He values her. Do you catch that? He values her. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. And this is where I have another slide for you to look at. It says this. Often we do not feel worthy like this woman But we must remember the fact that God loves us. God loves us. And Jesus didn't want this woman to experience guilt for stealing the healing and then going home and then worrying about what's going to happen next. I stole this healing. And he wanted to make sure this is a gift. God's grace is always just a gift. And it's not the miracle necessarily that Jesus wanted to bring forward because nobody else knew what had happened. Only Jesus and the woman knew that there was a miracle that happened. But he calls it out to strengthen her faith. He does it not to embarrass her, but to strengthen her faith. See, when Jairus left home to get Jesus, his girl was alive. But this delay has allowed his little baby girl, this 12-year-old precious daughter of is to die. You know what seemed not good was actually going to be used to increase his faith. So you see, God's time is, is, is always best, even when it doesn't seem like it at the moment. God is usually doing more. Let me say this again. God is usually doing more than we 
think he is. I almost guarantee he's always doing more than what we give him credit for. He delayed, he allowed the, the little girl to die so that he could what? Raise her from the dead. Raise her from the dead. God's timing is always best. Even at the moment, it doesn't seem like it. Tammy's sister, Wendy, got leukemia in the year 2000. Now, had she been cured of leukemia in a week, we probably wouldn't even remember it. But it wasn't a quick fix. There was this new technology called stem cells. Nobody had ever done it. This was experimenting on Wendy. And for a year, we hoped, we prayed, we asked God for delivery. We hoped, we prayed, we asked God for delivery. We hoped, we prayed, we asked God for delivery. Had it happened like that, we probably wouldn't even remember that Wendy had leukemia. But because God did it in his way, we remember, but our faith was stretched. Our faith grew, and we saw God's mighty deliverance. The struggle actually increased Wendy's faith. Sometimes there are delays in God, with God in answering our prayers. And here's, here's four things. You can write these down if you want. Why sometimes God delays answering our prayers. Number one, it draws us closer to Him. It draws us closer to Him. We had a, when we lived in paradise, we had a, a ministry to addicts. Uh, we did celebrate recovery. We did all sorts of things. And nine out of ten addicts were never cured, if you want to use that word. They always had the desire to use, whether it was meth, whether it was coke, whatever it was, heroin became really popular when we were there. And nine out of ten times, they're like, why doesn't Jesus, why doesn't Jesus take this, this desire away from me? And my, my answer was, because if he took it away from you, you would run from him. But right now, you need him, and so guess what? You're constantly walking with him. See, in God's wisdom, he says, no, if I take it away from me, you're going to run from me. But as long as you have this pain, this problem, this addiction, this, this, this monkey on your back, guess what you're going to do? You're going to stand right next to me, and we're going to get through this together. So it draws us close. Second thing is, is it deepens our faith when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want it or exactly how we want it. It deepens our faith because we start to see how God is doing some things. And it renews our focus. Third thing, it renews our focus. So many times, you're familiar with the song by Garth Brooks, Unanswered Prayer. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that. Yeah, you, okay, let me explain it. Garth Brooks sings a song popular 25 years ago about how he wanted this certain woman in his life and he prayed to God, please give this woman to me as my wife. And it didn't happen. And 25 years later, he bumps into her in the supermarket and he said, thank God for our unanswered prayers because that would have been a disaster. See, God knows what you need more than what you think you need. And so we trust him. That's when our faith is deepened and says, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm with you. I'd be no other place but with you. And the last thing is that when we allow God to do it his way, it always brings him glory. Fourth thing, 
First, it draws us close to him. Second, it deepens our faith. Third, it renews our focus on what's really important. And the fourth thing is it gives him glory. Okay, now let's get back to the text. What happens? Verse 23, and when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, in the other text it tells us the mourners, the paid mourners came. There must, could have been 50 people, 100 people. Because he was so prominent in the city, he might have had this big entourage of people wailing for his daughter. But look what Jesus says in verse 24. Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. What does your version say? They what? Laughed at him. Might have called him in their mind a jerk, an idiot. They might have said all sorts of things about Jesus because Jesus comes up and, and he just wants them to go away. And he says, she's not dead, she's sleeping. Now, it's been long enough that they know this isn't a coma anymore. This girl is dead. She is dead. Her body is cold. Her's not breathing. Her lungs aren't moving. This girl is dead, and they're laughing at Jesus. Verse 25, but when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand. Now, at this moment in time, in the other parallel passage, it says that he looks at Jairus and says, have faith, believe. And he took her by the hand, and look what happened. And the girl arose. And the report of this went through all the district. Part of growing in faith is trusting in Jesus, no matter what the circumstances look like. Did you know that? Trusting Jesus, no matter what the circumstances look like. Your circumstances can look bad. That's what Jairus was thinking. But that's what at least his eyes were looking at. The mourners were already there. His beloved daughter's dead. It's too late. Jesus can't do anything. She's already dead. And here's the third fill in the blank. Faith in Jesus brings hope when all human hope is gone. Faith in Jesus brings hope when all human hope is gone. The woman, she'd gone through all the doctors According to the Gospel of Mark, she spent all of her fortune. Whatever her husband left her is now gone. She blew it all after, okay, uh, we're going to do the chemo. No, we're going to do the herbal. No, we're going to do this. We're going to use leeches. We're going to use this. We're, she went from doctor to doctor to doctor thinking, oh, it's the next and the next person's going to help me. The next person. We do the same thing. Instead, turning to God, we think, oh, this is what we need. We need to be on this kind of diet. We need to do this in our family. We need to do, and we have all these fads, all these things that we continue to do instead of just turning to Jesus because he is the rock that is unshakable. Are you with me on that? Jesus is the rock that is unshakable. Twelve years later, all hope of getting better is gone. She has gone from bad to worse. But the woman had faith in Jesus. And that faith brought hope. Do you realize that? Otherwise she wouldn't have left where she was. And she wouldn't have fought the crowd. Tammy once had to have a transfusion of blood. I, she was like four quarts low. Not quarts low. Four pints low. That was a lot. 
I mean, her hemoglobin was, she, the doctor said, man, if anything had happened to you, it would have bled out because you got nothing in your, in your blood. And this woman, and when that was happening to Tammy, man, she was sleeping. She couldn't have any energy, couldn't get anything done. This woman fights with tooth and nail to get through the crowd because she believes her faith took on feet and said, I know if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Now, superstition, you know, that you could just touch things, but she had faith that Jesus could heal her. How? She wasn't sure, but she had an idea, but she knew that Jesus had the power to do it. Her faith spurred her to action. Now, Jairus, his servant said, don't trouble the master any longer. Your girl is dead. On their way home, he was told, your girl is dead. Don't bring Jesus here. He didn't have a whole lot of faith, did he? Don't bring Jesus here. He can't do anything about it because she's dead. He didn't know the power Jesus has to do the things that he can do. And the mourners laughed at Jesus And Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid is key. Because a lot of times we live in fear, believe it or not. How many of you have low-level stress right here in the back of your neck? (laughs) I do. I got low-level stress. And I'm training, uh, and that's part of training your heart. Remember, head, heart, hand. Jesus says he's going to take care of me. What does that mean for my life? Now am I going to trust it and do it? Head, heart, hand. And that's what, that's what happened here. He said, don't be afraid. Believe in me. Now watch what's going to happen. And Jesus, let's go to the next slide. Jesus grabs Jairus' attention and refocuses it from what? From fear to faith. If you don't think that you're afraid of this world and have fear in this world, you're probably fooling yourself. Because even when we think we're rock solid, something can turn over in our life. The basket is upset. Everything goes everywhere. And suddenly you're like, oh, I'm having fear. We have to refocus from fear and focus on faith. Faith, just not on faith, but faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus brings hope when all human hope is gone. Some of you today may be hopeless or have less hope than you've had in the past. I bet you have friends and families and neighbors and coworkers that are hopeless. They've gone through the motions and are just going through the motions. See, there was hope. As long as the economy was good, I had hope. I had hope. As long as the stock market was going up, I had hope. I had hope as long as I could just get to my my retirement years healthy, I had hope. Oh, I had hope as long as I held my marriage together, I had hope. Oh, I had hope as long as the right president got in. Oh, there was hope as long as North Korea doesn't go nuclear, I have hope. Oh, it's okay as long as there's no drought. The cancer was contained. I have hope. I had hope as long as the cancer was contained. Or the car stayed in good repair. Don't you hate it when your car breaks down and you all said what? Amen. We all hate broken cars. Because after you pay all that money, you think it should last forever, right? 
Amen. But it doesn't. And as long as we're holding our financial world together, we're thinking, okay, we, I got hope, I got hope, I can make it through the end of the month, I can make it through the end of the month, I can make it through the end of the month, and then something happens. See, where are we putting our hope in? Not in Jesus. Don't put your hope in my Ford truck. <laughs> Don't do that. Or there was hope as long as the grades were high enough to get a scholarship Oh, there was hope as long as the family could make the minimum payment that was due at the end of the month. Oh, well, there was hope as, as long as my child hangs around the right kids. I had hope that he was going to turn out or she was going to turn out okay. I had hope. You know, when we trust in our own strength and we trust in our own ideas and we trust in our own wisdom and we trust in our own resources and we trust in our own abilities to make things happen, if it's going to be, it's up to me. A lot of us live by that motto. You are placing your faith in the wrong person, aren't you? That doesn't mean we can be slobs and a sloth and do nothing. God wants us to be active in our active faith. But man, don't trust in yourself. Here's the next slide. Trust Jesus no matter how the circumstances look. Amen? Trust Jesus. Sometimes the things in this world have to be stripped away from us until he finally gets our attention. I don't want to do that. These friends in paradise, no car, no clothes, no photos, no home, no job, no place to live. They've got nothing. And yet the people of faith that have placed their faith in Jesus... They're not crying. Yeah, they're, just, they're, they're having it rough, but their faith is in something bigger and stronger and more powerful than the things that they used to trust in. Their faith is in Jesus. And sometimes those things have to be stripped away from us until we finally see the only thing that we can see, and that is, I need to just trust Jesus. I need to just trust Jesus. And when we start trusting Jesus, our hope begins to grow. Our hope begins to grow. Do you know the Hebrews, it says this. I'll just read it to you. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Who is this Jesus, the one that you should put your trust in? Here are the seven great I am's that come out of the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. All those things are things to celebrate about. See, Jesus is worthy of your trust. You can trust your life to him. He is worthy of your trust. You can trust your very soul to him. You build your life on the solid rock, no earthquake can shake you. January 24th, or 17th, 1994 means nothing. If you're building your life on Jesus, 
Let me say it again. Put your trust in Jesus. Faith in Jesus brings hope when all human hope is gone. The woman, she went home full of joy. And she was happy for the first time in 12 years. Can you catch the excitement when she finally was healed because of her faith? She went home screaming, jumping, excited about life again. And Jairus, who got his daughter back from the dead, do you think that he was full of joy? Could you imagine if your son was killed and then brought back to life and presented to you alive and well? You would be doing cartwheels. You would be breaking down in tears, tears of joy and happiness. That's what happens when you put your faith in Jesus. The things of this world are temporal and go away, but the things that are eternal are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And he is worthy to be trusted He is worthy to be trusted. I want you to leave here today full of joy and full of happiness and full of peace because you are trusting in the one who made you. Let me pray. Father God.